All right, we are continuing with our halacha series. This class is being uh, sponsored in the merit for the local habitants to stay here, at least selfishly from our part. Amen. Okay. Uh, okay, we are learning a series of halacha and chasidis. So we're going to begin with the halacha. And there is mamish. We call chasidis the words of the living God. The words of the living God. I'm learning a, a mimer that you mamish taste the words of the living God. Amazing. So let me begin with the halacha. The halacha is halachas of making blessings. A little bit of an intro. I know we spoke about it many times. But the sages tell us that a person is obligated to make 100 blessings every day. There's a, a little bit of a discussion. Is this biblical minority opinion? Even though there are verses in the Torah that allude to it, but not every time we give a mitzvah or we give a chiyuv and we say, as it says, does it mean that God is commanding us to do it? It's common that the sages made an enactment and then they linked it to a pasuk in the Torah. There's actually a story in Nach about an epidemic and a hundred people were dying a day. That's an epidemic or a pandemic. That's a lot of people, a hundred people a day. And Dabar HaMelech, with divine inspiration, understood that enacting or reminding everyone of the original obligation of making 100 blessings a day will protect us against the endemic, pandemic, and it worked. We should never know of a pandemic, but uh, you see that even King David had a hard time figuring out. And there are other such stories that we did not know why until God told us why it's happening. And we had to, once you know, you know. People hear a hundred blessings a day. I know that there's, again, there's a nuance of a discussion. How do we get to the hundred blessings? Any Jew um, that davens and that makes blessings before and after they eat will get to it easily during the week. Shmona Esri is longer. So I don't want to get into the nuance of it. It's, it sounds like a big number. It's not a big number, at least for the men. We daven three times a day. We have a meal. There's nuance. How many brachas do you make by your meal? If you wash, who knows? Three. Eight. eight. I know you're eight. Yeah, eight. Solius. Oh, okay. Four. One second. But there's only four blessings after the eating. But then again, it's a given that you can have a cup of wine. We always have wine, and for the wine, you have a pre-post. In other words, you get to the hundred brachas if you do things the way things should be done. If you don't do things the way things should be done, um, then it's harder to get to it. But from the blessings that should be made every day, almost all of them are rabbinic in nature. We're learning about davening, right? We, we quoted the opinion, let's say, of the Rambam, that davening is a biblical obligation, but God never said how to daven. And just saying, God, help, or God, thank you, or God, hi, is davening, according to the Rambam. The blessing that certainly is biblically obligated is the blessings after we eat. And then the blessings that we have to make prior to learning Torah is the other exception, where many hold it's a biblical obligation. Women who make the effort of saying the morning blessings will be making every day the blessings for learning Torah. Unlike eating, where every time I have a snack or a meal, I should make a bracha. And when I finish the snack, I should make an after bracha. And then when I snack again, I know there comes a point where if you snack the whole day, which is tragically where we're at, I don't know if it's correct to make a bracha prior and post and prior and post. That's a good question. You have to know many details. You should know that if you make a blessing on food and you leave that room, if you leave the building, you got a problem. It's not, it's, not a, it's not that great. If you're having a meal and you leave, you might even have to make new brachas to start the meal again. Unless you had in mind from the outset. In the complex laws, we learned this together in Shulchan Aruch. But if a person is sitting in an office and they're snacking the whole day, they should not be making shahaka and then uh, uh, whatever the bar that they're eating that they think is healthy and it's uh, the mamish, samham mamish, mamish. No. They should make one brach in the morning and maybe make a bracha before they go to sleep. And uh, they're good. 
the blessings for the Torah are done that way. We make Birchas HaTorah once for the whole day. When do we make it? In the Birchas HaShachar. We make three blessings, which is very unusual. For a mitzvah, you make one bracha. For the Torah, we make three brachas. We say Al Divrei Soira. Other people say La Asoik. La Asok Divrei Soira. Then we make the second bracha, which begins with the words Vehaarevna. Please may it be sweet. Please may it be sweet means that normally when I do a mitzvah, I don't ask God to feel the sweetness of the mitzvah. I do the mitzvah to do the mitzvah. I would like to feel the sweetness, but we don't pray for it to be sweet. By Torah, we ask God, allow me to experience the sweetness of the words of the Torah. And then we make the bracha, asher bachar banu. Without getting into details, we make every morning three blessings. If someone did not do it, but you davened, meaning you made the bracha prior to Shema, ahavas oilom aftonu Hashem alikeinu, or other similar texts, that blessing before the Shema covers birchas ha-toyra, which is a good thing. Once you made the bracha birchas ha-toyra, you're good for the whole day. You're good for the whole day and the whole night. The next morning, there's a debate in halacha. What happens if you learn through the night? Do you have to make another blessing for the Torah? Or since you didn't go to sleep, you're good to go. There's two opinions about it. One example would be the night of Shavuos, where it's more common, mini Yisrael, to stay up the whole night. Do you make a brach in the morning? There's another question. What happens if you take a nap during the day? Does the nap interrupt? There are many opinions that hold that if I take a nap of 30 minutes or more during the day, and I wake up, I have to make virchas We don't do that, but there is such an opinion. Many great halachic authorities advocate that the day prior to Shavuot, Take a nap of 30 minutes. Very smart. Rabbi Kiva Eger said that. Why? Because you're going to be up the whole night. There's a question whether you should make the brachas in the morning again for the learning of the Torah. You're good to go. Those who hold, you have to make it every day, no matter if you slept or not. It's a new day. Those who say that you only have to make it if you slept, you slept the day prior for 30 minutes. All, in, all of these things are technicalities. I simply want to read for this lady's class, it says in Shulchan Aruch that that this is a blessing for which men and women are equally obligated. Some mitzvahs are not an equal obligation. In other words, the making a blessing before learning Torah is a great obligation. What I told you so far is very known. I want to open up with one halacha. That's shocking. It's shocking. When you hear it, you can't believe it. And I want to give a Hasidic explanation. If you wake up and you think the words of Torah, do you have to make a blessing prior, first of all? No, because you have to wash hands and do all this No, no, stuff. no, 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 say better. No, you're making, a, I'm going technically, you make a blessing because you're doing a mitzvah. Is thinking the words of Torah the mitzvah or is speaking the words of the Torah the mitzvah? How do you know that speaking is the mitzvah? Because it says in the Shema, Thank you, Mrs. Moravich, Vidi Bartobam. So since technically speaking is the mitzvah and not thinking, so the rule is is that if you're only going to be thinking, which is natural, for intelligent people, any all of us, we don't, we're not that we're tzaddikim, but if you're going to hear up idea that is going to grab you and you're going to get these ideas on Torah, everyone finds there, you're going to think about it, whether you know about it or not, you're going to dream about it many times, you're going to wake up in the morning, I'm not saying exclusive, but it's just normal. People wake up in the morning and, you know, most people don't even know what's in their mind. Um, if you learn Torah once a week, once a day, you're going to wake up many times and you're going to begin thinking words of Torah. And don't worry, it doesn't matter that you didn't make the blessings for the Torah because you're not speaking. Okay, that, that, good. So far, so good. The Ramah writes that one is allowed to render a halachic ruling as long as you don't explain why, even prior to making the blessings of the Torah. Hagah, the Yachoy, Lifsoy, Din, Beloy Nesin Astam I remember learning this, I never understood it. Why would that be? You're saying, not only are you, are you saying, you're saying the most important part of Torah. The most important part of Torah 
is halacha. The bottom line, to know what to do. How can it be that the blessings for Torah, which is equal gender, men and women, and according to many opinions, it's it's a biblical obligation. And look how important it is. You don't make one bracha. Before we eat, we make one bracha. Before we do any mitzvah, you make one bracha. Before we learn Torah, you make three brachas. It's like a big thing. So I get it. For thinking, I, it's not a mitzvah. But for giving a halachic ruling, shouldn't that be the greatest mitzvah? I'm not just learning theoretical for my pleasure, for, because it's sweet, because Torah is sweet. No, you're, you want to know the din. As long as you don't give a tam, which is sweet, you're just saying the bottom line, There's the, the Ramah says that you can say it. Now, I understand why this is brought on the table. Practically, you know, it's what were to happen if you wake up in the morning, you should know that it happens to you in your home with your kids. What, what happens if you see someone doing something and you have to correct him? That's called giving up sock, right? You see your child putting the healthy fruit that you only have out there. No one has cake after they're in the house. And, and you tell them, no, 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 make a bracha. I'm just giving you an example. You're paskining. You cannot eat without doing a bracha. I understand that when it comes to giving a halachic ruling, many times it's very convenient not to have to make berchas atoyim. Because what will be the alternative? To tell them, oh, by the time you finish making the three brachas, they add ten danishes. By the way, the Rebbe had a, such, I remember the Rebbe laughing, which was not that common. Why didn't you make a bracha before you give tzedakah? I'm going off topic for a second. There's like a hundred answers. No, 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 the Rebbe said, one of the Rebbe, this is a joke answer, but it's a good answer. It says, that, it says imagine, it says a yid is, it needs food, and they come to you, but you have to make a bracha, but you're a chassidish a Jew. You're only going to make a bracha if you go to the mikvah. Then you're going to put on a garter. By the time you make a bracha, the person died from hunger. No, it's certain things. What do you mean make a bracha? Go do the right thing. This is not a halachic answer, but it's a practical answer. So I understand why practically it's good to know that I can give a halachic ruling, which we all do the whole time. When you observe someone doing something and you know that you know someone made the wrong bracha, not in a bossy way, God forbid, you're, you're correct. It's good that you don't have to. If not, that person won't be corrected. But how is it allowed? That's the question. I'm telling you, I, I had this question. When I learned it the first time, you know, it's good that it bothered me. Like, how can it be? How can it be? Halacha, halacha is toira. And I'm learning a mimer this week, and it's so amazing, and it, Mama shines a light on this. So I just want to play. The mimer is in Lakote Torah. It's on one little phrase that we read this week. God is in the context of Moshe Rabbeinu um, is advocating for us to listen in the voice of God. It's a very generic, big statement. And the words are, a key sishma, when you will listen, to the voice of God, your God, you'll be blessed. And the nuance, which is just a nuance, but there's a whole building that the Alter Rebbe will build, is that one could have written, listening, Hashem, for people that know the Holy Tongue. You're listening to the voice. Listening in the voice. Sounds a little bit off. You don't listen in the voice. So there's the outer voice and the inner voice. And the goal is to listen to the inner voice and to, to speak about that ideas. The Altarebbe was the big idea man. So let's speak about ideas. And and let me introduce something that the first layer is something that you're familiar with. The second layer, if you never heard it, will be wow. It's like a wow topic. It's really connected. Let me speak about Topic number one, or the easier way to approach it. We are constantly grappling with very deep contradictions. We should become more aware of it. Almost everything that irks you in the world that you look at, especially if you're overreacting, you're reacting towards a struggle that you have day and night. And we have these struggles, big struggles. And then something reminds you of that struggle and it does something. It does something, you react beyond justification to the outer. Let me tell you 
I'm not, so far you heard this. I just want to say it like this. Being that we have two different souls, a godly and an animal, or every Jew, the animal soul is selfish. Not bad, selfish. Natural. The godly is so pure. It's altruistic. This creates a huge conflict. Not the easier conflict of good and bad. That's the easy conflict. It means if something is here and it's not kosher, it's an easy conflict. Not that people always do the right thing. It's clear. Good, bad. I'm not talking about that conflict. I'm talking about that when a person does good, why are they doing it? Are they doing it because it's the right thing to do? Or are they doing it because doing good is good for me? And doing good is very good for me. Am I on that level? I aspire to be there. Am I there? Let me tell you a story, just to introduce these, these, these ideas. Okay, so this is something that we grapple with very deeply. The, the, in Ged, Ged is a huge Hasidus, huge. Uh, my father's father was Polish, not from Ged, but the, go- the government in Poland would add many trains during Yom Tif to accommodate the Hasidim that would go together. They, they would sometimes have almost 100,000 people that would go to that city to spend Yom Tif. Now, even today, even today with the world with 8 billion people, how do you accommodate 100,000 people? What were to happen if 100,000 people go today to Yerushalayim? Don't think that everyone would hop a hotel room. It's, it's, it's a big thing. It's a, not a simple thing. It's a big thing. And one of the challenges that always was, and until Mashiach always will be, is Pashat says safety. It's safety almost for your, for your property. In other words, when you have 50 people moving into a home, aside of the awesome Hachnasas Archim, borderline, big mistake in taking these strangers into your home because bad things will happen. I don't know where to, that's a whole different topic. But when you have so many people that don't know each other, that are living together, there are certain bad actors. And as time went on, when people went to the Rebbe to get, they would have their wallet stolen, their credit card stolen, and it, it, it ruins the experience. Now, the solution today is easy. You just go with your credit card. It didn't work that way. People needed cash. You don't, don't have ATM machines. It wasn't so simple. So they figured out, the Seder, that to get a Rebetzin by herself, she had in her home, they built for her this huge safe, like a room. And whoever came to get for Yom Tif would have the merit of stopping by the house of the Rebbe, not to speak to the Rebbe. And she was the one in charge. She chose that. She was entrusted with your thing. And during Yom Tif, there was a Satan, whether you can come once a day or once a week, whether she had people working for her, I'm sure she didn't. People would leave their wallet and they would pick it up and they would leave. That was the Seder in Ken. There was a man that was not dressed at all like a wealthy person. The opposite, he was dressed from the dress. You can sometimes at least extrapolate or think you can understand their social standing. Did not look like a wealthy person. Had an old beat up wallet. And he came every Yom Tov to the Gerereba and he would always leave his wallet with her and pick it up. And Vayihi Hayyum, it happened one time, she could not find the wallet when he came to pick it up. Whether someone took it, whether it was misplaced, she didn't know. But, you know, you have a certain opinion of someone. They, they are dressed. You judge people by the cover. That's why we have to tell them, don't judge them by the cover, because everyone judges everyone else by the cover. So she decided, what the, what could he have had? I don't know what she gave him, the 15 zolotas. It would be like giving him $100. She gave him something which, in her mind, was tenfold to pay for the wallet, to pay for the few cupcakes in the wallet. And he looked at her, he looked at the money, he looked at her, and he thanked her, and he went. A couple of weeks later... They found the wallet. And it was like a I don't know how many rubles. It was like it was like a hundred thousand dollars, like a guzma of money. A lot of money in the wallet. Big bills that no one has. And she was very surprised that some that why wouldn't he tell her, Rabbitson, I gave you a hundred thousand. I'll wait until you find it. Just don't give me back a hundred. So she was intrigued. And next yant if he came back with the new old wallet, Baiter. And he deposited the wallet with the Gerrit Rabbitson. And she says, I was waiting for you. Ooh, 
He says, why were you waiting for me? He says, listen, first of all, I found your old wallet and she gave it to him. Of course. And then she asked him, listen, I took the liberty for right or wrong to open up your wallet. I wanted to know whether I did the right thing, whether I paid you enough or not. I wanted to confirm that I, and I'm shocked. I'm shocked that you did not protest. And he right away responded. He says, Rebetzin, that as a chassid, I understand that the blessings that I have, I have to share with the Rebbe. He says, every time I would come here, I would borrow money up until what I could to bring it just in case the Rebbe needs my money. Finally, last time, I felt that I had the schus that the Rebbe needed almost all my money. He says, I felt bad that I did not merit for him to need all of it. But at least 99% I was Zoycha to give to the Rebbe. That's what he tells the Rebbe. And she was very impressed. This guy was saying a truth. He wasn't being cute. And she told her husband. And her husband says, I want to meet him. And he had a Yechidus with the Gere Rebbe. And when he walked in there, the Gere Rebbe told him, I know what happened. And I, I, I would like for you to ask of me any bracha you want. To which he right away responded in Ger. Like by us, you have a designated secretary. But certain times in Ger, you can have the merit of being in service of the Rebbe. He says, I want to have a schus to be Meshamish the Rebbe over Pesach. The Ger Rebbe looked at him and told him in Yiddish, you could have asked for millions. And he right away responded, what I asked is more than all those millions. In other words, that's a chas. It was he understood it was emes for him. That what can be greater than being in service of a Rebbe, of a tzaddik? We all have that in us. And we all have in us, I'm gonna do the right thing, but what's in it for me? This is a segula for wealth, and that's gonna protect me. And there's nothing wrong with that. We're doing the right thing. But we oscillate, we go backwards. If the animal soul is dominant and we're not tzaddikim, when we do the right thing, we're doing it for us as well. And we aspire, we would love to be able to do the right thing pure. We all have that desire. And that's a very deep conversation that many people should be more aware of. And it's very agonizing. Because it's not clear, you're doing the right thing. Like, leave me alone. We say, for those people who daven mitiv, we say before the night Shemayna Esrei, in the final second bracha, that v'hasar satan milfaneinu uma'achadeinu. We say, God, remove the Satan from before me and from behind me. Now, removing the satan from before me means I'm about to do something, and the satan comes and says, don't do it. In other words, the satan is what gets in the way from you, from me, and the good thing. But we're, what's the satan behind us? What's the satan that's behind us? That means I already did the good thing. What's the satan? The satan is, I'm proud of myself. I did the right thing. I'm a great person. Or the expectation of God. Listen, God, you owe me. And let's be honest. I want to be honest. How many people, and this is Emmis, if, God forbid, they undergo a challenge which they feel at the time is beyond what they can take, they tell God, I did not deserve this. They feel that they are worthy. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying that there is a part of us that is about self. And then there is a part of us that doesn't even look at self. It's not about whether I'm worthy or whether I'm not worthy. We have that. It's not that we would like. We have that, but they are in conflict. That's Aleph. I want to approach the same topic from a very different angle. And here are words that Al-Tarebbe uses that are not that common. They're beautiful words. When we think about a meeting, I want to break down that a meeting is not so poshant. Any type of meeting. Two people meeting. Two people meeting sounds like really something that's impossible to happen because of the following. And let me give you a story to illustrate. The Alter Rebbe raised one of his grandchildren. The Alter Rebbe had six children, three sons, three daughters. One of his daughters passed away 
we have a story that she mamish gave up her life for her father, which is another story. And the Altarebbe, in return, felt responsible to raise her children. The Vaidalea's children was was Menachem Mendel, who later became the third Rebbe. And that Samach as a child, as an infant, I don't know how old he was. One years, he was two years. He, he, he could say Zayda. That's all he can say. We're sitting on Zayda's lap, grabbing onto the Altarebbe's beard, and he said Zayda. To which the Altarebbe, everyone heard the story. The Altarebbe tells him, no, this is not Zayda, this is Zayda's beard. And what would you respond? So, kid, so he, he grabbed onto his nose. Zayda. And the Altarebbe said, no, this is Zayda's nose, and this is Zayda's ears. I don't know how many steps happened, and you got a problem. So he was very wise. So what did he do? He went out of the room, and he made believe as if he got very hurt. He gave a shout, the Altarebbe went running. He went running to, to help his grandkid. When he ran into the room with that care, he said in Yiddish, Ot is Zayda. That's Zayda. Oh. So, one second. It still didn't answer the question, but it's a beautiful illustration to what I'm getting to. When two people meet. What exactly is meeting? You tell me what's going on over there. So, there is a physical meeting, and then you can have two people that meet emotionally, they are on the same page. You can have people that have a meeting of minds. People learn Plato. People share ideas. But that's, they're not meeting. Their minds are meeting. Their feelings are meeting. Some other external part of them are meeting. How do they meet? How does that work? What does that look like? They don't meet them because they're one soul. As Jews. So, yes and no. There's a yes and there's a no. When we go to the oil, one of the things we say in my Eloshim is that we, we are asking God to allow us to meet the tzaddik and we say, nefesh be nefesh, ruach be ruach, neshama be neshama, chaya be chaya, and yechid be yechid. You know, at least we are acknowledging that people are multi-layer beings. And if that's what you are, and that's what the other person is, is that when these two people are meeting, to be aware of the complexity of the meaning. The external of the person has a much easier time to experience the external of the other. And the deeper you get, the harder it is to meet. How are you meeting? If you ask a person, go beyond Seichel. No, Hasidus organizes the person. So there's the external, the garment, and let's speak about emotions. I get, I understand what that means. I know what that feels like. We have kids, you, 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 God willing, you, you love your kids. And when they're young and they still love you back, you gotta, you gotta cash it. Then you'll see, don't worry guys, after I'm already the old man talking, at some point they'll love you back, but you have to earn that and they have to mature up. If they don't love you back, it's because they're still immature. It's on them 100%, nothing to do with you. And then you have meeting of mind, which is easy. You share ideas and some people taka have a meeting of mind. But it, we, the person is not the mind. The mind is like the Alter Rebbe. It's, it's, it's a faculty. It's a koyach that you have. It's more than a garment, but it's not you. Now, when you go deeper than that, how does it even work? Think about that. That's a good topic. In the context with God, let's go back to the first topic. That, that there is doing the right thing because there's something in it for me. I want to begin with the word experience. If a person has a godly experience, if a person has a spiritual experience, when they do a mitzvah, so there is a selfish part, a good selfish part. I'm not saying they're doing it only because of it, but there is the experience. I went over there, people come back and they shine. I went to the I went to the Koisel, I went to Kei Rachel, I went to the Oil, I, I remember Fabrengen. I don't know what it is, you come back. If a person has any type of experience, with something holy, it's uplifting, and you'll see the light up, and they'll talk about it. Now, the good part is that they had an experience. The challenge with that is twofold. Number one, well, did it taint it with self? And or, if you were able to have the experience, doesn't that in itself prove that it wasn't a real, real connection. 
Because the moment we go beyond seichel, if you cannot answer the question, how can you meet anyone on a level that's deeper, deeper than intelligence? It's not something external. It's not something emotional. It's not something rational. You want the neshama to meet the neshama. Just if you cannot describe what that is, then how would you know what it is? If you had it or not? talking about purpose. I'm talking about meeting. 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 Encontro. <laughs> or let me use the word connection. Many people say, I want to I I have a connection. Okay, Shkoyer. When you think you had the connection, analyze what do you have? What do you think you have? And, and Al-Tareb is arguing that when the connection is very external, it could be measured, it could be experienced. The deeper the connection, the deeper the connection, the harder it will be to experience that. And the moment you go to the deepest types of connections, which you can say, I don't even want that. If I'm not gonna experience it, I don't want it. If it's about me, I get it. But if you, if a person would want, let's go straight to the, to the goal. You wanna be connected to Hashem. Explain to me, how does that work? How do, what do you mean connected to God? What are you talking about? You're a human being, God is God. You are embodied, God is not. You're limited, God is not. You're finite, like what do you mean connected to now? Some people will say, I give up. No, but we are told we can have a connection to God. The question is, if what does it look like? And the answer would be, which we know, that if a person feels love to God, that's a connection, it's an emotional connection. Because we believe that God loves me if you are a tzaddik, a tzaddikis, and you can actually feel God's love to you even more, invite a connection. And God loves us, and there are people that experience that. Happens to be that most human beings, if you were to experience the feelings God has to you, you would die. None of them of you died, not because they loved God, because they, 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 they touched the love that God had to them. They couldn't take it. Beautiful. But still, doing all of the. I'm not doing anything yet. One second. I'm just talking about connection, connection, meeting. No, I'm, I'm trying to say that you're going out of your way, spending hours or whatever with dawning, with that, doing a chesed, and you're doing stuff for other people to just have that one little more connection with God. Connection that you will experience or a connection that you will not experience? I feel that if you do a mitzvah and you're getting yourself to raise yourself, then it's connection that So let's go back to the first thing. That people that are aware of self, which is basically all people other than Sadiqim, will want to have an experience. Correct, but I'm in a state of self. I'm not a tzaddik. I would like to know if, if a, a Rebbe would ask you, you can ask of me anything you want. I don't know if I would ask the Rebbe, let me serve you, uh, be, a, be a waiter over Pesach. <laughs> I, I, I know I wouldn't, I would definitely not say that. And if I would, it would be fake. And my, if my Rebbe is a Rebbe, he would call me out. He says, you faker. <laughs> no. But tell him personally, communally, I'll have a whole list and I wouldn't, I would quick, I, you, I wouldn't even have to think. I'll give you 60 seconds of a thousand things that I need. I'll be very good at that. You asked, I'll give it. In other words, if people have to be honest with themselves. I think that's the beginning of the beginning. To, to think the words that I'm a tzaddik, to think the words that I'm selfless. No, I, I, I know that there is a part of me that's selfless. I acknowledge that. There is a part of me that is very excited to do a mitzvah because... That's what God, I know. But that's not all of me. Halavai, I will never sin. <laughs> no, no, we're not there. We have both. And it's a very deep conflict. I'm sure that there's some anguish going on. We should just listen to it more. 
So going back to the desire of connection, desiring connection is another deep need. We need connection. Once you begin having this conversation, it really it should open up a big a big world of 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 oh my god, because if I want connection, who says I ever have connection? Exactly what is connected? What's the connection? And why is it that after you have a connection, you want more connection because you taka don't have? What just because you had a, a emotional connection? What value is of that if that's a little part of you? It's not you. It's it's an external part of you. And 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 again, the the question will be. The challenge will be is that the deepest type of connection is not something that most people will be able to even experience. One, one second, one second, one second. Al Tareba makes a model. He gives a good guidance. He says like this. He says that a person should desire first to experience connection. Al Tareba is the big tzaddik. He's talking to you. He's talking to me. He's not talking to himself. That's the first step. He, he explains that the, that there is likoil, bikoil. Voice is connected to emotion. Just go with this. Voice is connected to emotion. Listen, likoil means a voice. You have to have the will even to communicate. People that are mamish, mamish depressed, they don't say a word. Expression, expression is filled with emotion. Whether there is seichel dika content or there is no seichel dika content, there is a lot of emotion that is heard even in the sound of. You don't even have to understand the language. You don't even have to. The language will give the idea, the sound. When you hear someone speak, the way the voice goes up, the way the voice goes down, there's emotion there. Listening to God's voice means a person who merited to have some sort of experience of connection to God, which can only mean either they felt something for God or there was a meaning of mind. They appreciated the wisdom of God. So either it's through the heart or the intellect? That's correct. It's not going to be bodily because God doesn't have a body. We're not meeting God bodily. With, 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 uh, so I can meet the table like that. Can't meet God with that. One second, one second, one second. That's, that's step number one. Step number two is that after you met God, after we merit to have some type of connection or feeling to Yiddishkeit, to God, is to realize that what we have is something very external. And at least to have a desire to want something more. Because any meeting of body, feeling, and of mind is external to you. Because you're not a body, and you're not feelings, and you're not intellect. You have a body, and you have feelings, and you have intelligence. It's not you. Who are you? Can you close your eyes and look at your soul? Tell me what you see. That would be a great exercise. There we go. Uh, Oh, yeah? In other words, you see, there's a quest. So you have the quest in the psychological world. This is the way that the Alter ever words this quest of wanting a, a connection, of feeling the connection, of realizing that the connection has to be much deeper, being challenged with how do I go there, wanting to go to a place which I don't know how to go. We get stuck. 
and God gives a solution. And the solution that Hashem gives us are twofold, Torah and mitzvahs. Understand what it is. Torah, the Alter Rebbe says, not the intellect of Torah. In the Torah, God is there. The reason why we can learn Torah and not feel God is because, yeah, because the part of me that's feeling God is not a part that I am connected to. I am not yet uh, touching my soul. I believe in that I have a soul. It's so far away from my experience that a soul experience won't be experienced in my consciousness yet. That's part of the, the times of Mashiach. Whoa, 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 whoa. So there is learning Torah. Learning Torah is actually, actually not the seichel of Torah, not understanding a concept. In the Torah, there is God, and the mind, the Shama, Mamish becomes one with God, with the Torah, through the Torah. They're nodding, they're nodding each other together. When you learn. When I learn Torah. But as women, we don't have obligation. Well, it doesn't matter, even better. All these connections, any connection, I've already spoke about this in, in, in many times, any obligatory connection, paradox, there's no connection. It's a mechoyev, it's external. In the external world, it's the greatest connection. You can force a thousand people to be your friends. The pnimius, not one is, if they were forced, they're not connected. Not only are they not connected, they are your enemy. Force means that they are against you, so you have to overpower. Perfect. In other words, the reason why women are not so mechoyev is because the, a woman has a greater desire for connection. Chiyuv is the enemy of connection. So there's the mitzvah of learning Torah. Torah is the connection. Then there's something even greater. So we are connected now. Yeah. Every time a yid is learning, uh, learning Torah, keeping a mitzvah, but to understand what's happening. So the reason why we can learn Torah and not die from being overwhelmed is because we don't yet experience what we're doing. You know, it says in many places, what's Ganeiden? What's paradise? We don't do mitzvahs there. We're going to experience the pleasure of what's happening now in my soul that are so great that I cannot experience yet. That's why it says, if you don't do mitzvahs here, you won't go, you won't go, you won't have Ganeiden there. Higher is that which we don't experience. Okay. And in this world, is there more value in bringing it down to a level of equity and dust or whatever? More value for for God or more value for me? More value for me is to have the experience. Not that it's of no value to me. I don't. I don't know. I don't even feel it. How can I measure it? How can I value it? I, it doesn't come with our experience. Doesn't need. Doesn't need our experience. But one second. Now I want to say it like this. There are certain things that are so great that if you don't contain them, they're going to dissipate. I'll give you a muscle, a dream. If you have a dream, a real dream, if you won't contain it, why? It's talking about it, putting it into words. It's amazing how. In seconds, wow, that was amazing. A few seconds later, you don't remember the details, you just remember it's amazing. And 20 minutes later, you forgot even Bakhlal that you dreamt. Crazy. The greater, the greater, the more lofty, the more abstract, which means naturally, that which is farther from me needs a container. If you won't contain it, you're going to lose it. This concept of containers are very mystical. The alchemist that we learned about in the Sharabi Tachan, it's, that's, it's, you have to be an alchemist because you're trying to contain God. We're trying to contain things that are very big. How do you do that? And we're not using physical containers. So mitzvahs, not Torah, mitzvahs have two labels. One, it's a garment. A garment is an intermediary. A garment, like if you want to have the hot pot, it's too hot, you need a, a, a baguette. Sometimes a garment is there to put a boundary. There's another understanding of the mitzvah being a garment. A garment is a cable. It's a vessel. 
the mitzvah, any mitzvah, is mamish, mamish, a keli for God himself. For God himself. It's like a temple. Big God, he fits in the temple. I don't know how that works, but that's right. From all the all the worlds, he wants this world, and from all this, he wants that and that little square. God is not little. God is infinite, and he, when you make the temple, he moves into the temple. Every mitzvah is a temple. While I'm doing the mitzvah, I'm also living in that temple. I'm doing the mitzvah. Now, Tereba argues that the Trade is not a keli. Trade is light. We spoke about this a few weeks ago. Mitzvahs are keli, are vessels. That the ultimate way to connect to God is by doing a mitzvah. The listening in the voice of God, the Alter Rebbe says, is in the in-between phase of learning Torah. Not the outer is feeling God. Halavai will get him. And most of us, I think, merited to have a good Ruchnizdik experience. I would hope. We had normal parents, at least as children, when we were pure, if a person went to a tzaddik, if they had the merit, something, something, something. I feel, I feel something. I feel something is greater than the world. I feel ep- epis, epis. I, we have, we are yidin. We have that within us. So that's step number one. Step number two is to realize whatever you felt is so, it's so lacking. The proof is you felt it. I felt it. I want, I have to want a real meeting with God. The ultimate meeting of God in this model is the mitzvah. But all I will experience in the mitzvah is the vessel, which is the mitzvah. Which is the mitzvah. Torah, Torah is the light of God that's in the vessel. So when I say the words of Torah, when I say the words of Torah, I'm meeting God who's saying those words at the same time. We're good? Good enough. Oh. What's making a bracha? What, is, what does a bracha mean? Who knows what the word bracha means? Draw to draw down. You should know that, I know these exceptions, there are certain mitzvahs that are housing such a lofty level of God that you cannot even say that that was drawn down. Very few mitzvahs. One mitzvah would be, I know for men, I know it's not a good, I don't, I don't, I don't know if there's a mitzvah for women. When we put on Rabbeinu Tam's tefillin, we don't make a bracha. Tell you better, most of us, when we put on the tefillin of the head, we don't make a bracha. The reason why certain mitzvahs don't have brachas is because the godliness that we are connecting to is so lofty, so to say, and we are drawing it down, but we're not drawing it down. It goes into this mystical vessel of the mitzvah that is here but not here at the same time. It's not here enough. You get, you get rewarded. Not rewarded. It does dira It does but it's so low. No, you're meeting. You're going into this. What did someone say? I know this is a trader class. This could be a complete shtus. But now this whole topic, they're finding these um, these vehicles that from a different planets. So I was reading that one of them was very little, but when they walked into it, it was like the size of ten football fields, like like the like 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 like, like crazy stuff. Like it's here, but it's not here. It's here, but it's not. Mitzvah is like the holy of holies. The holy of holies took up space. They didn't take up space. It's here, but it's not here. The temple is coming from the heavens. I don't know what that means. So I want to say like this, that halacha, because of a halachic ruling, is the highest level of Torah, you can't make a bracha for it, or you don't need to make a bracha for it. Wow. That's the way I understand this concept. In the context of, of connecting to a level of God that is so lofty that we are connecting, but just first to appreciate, if you feel the connection, it's lacking. It's a good klal to have. You know, let me tell you the opposite side. Let's speak about you guys with teenagers. I'm already the old man. My kids are already big and married. That when you feel the, the challenge, doesn't mean you're, you're not connected. You're more connected. What do you think? The connection of the lovey-dovey feeling, that's the connection? That's a, that's a superficial connection. No, it's what happens when a person has a child that at this moment they have, they have a negative feelings. The parent is aware that the connection is so deep 
that even though on the emotional level there is a disconnect, even though that rationally there's a disconnect, but you know, this forces you to acknowledge there is something much deeper going on. But in order to get there, you have to go through many years having a normal connection, a human connection. We're not tzaddikim. We have a tzaddik part in us. We're not, we have an animal part. We have a selfish part. So God set up Yiddishkeit in a way, this is the ideal, that there should be a time, especially when people are younger. We have young kids. We have to do everything we could. You're going back to your quarter of the Ramchal to give them a pleasurable experience with Yiddishkeit. And, and the more we are able, this has to do with me, to connect to something holy, the more we can be zoichet to have our kids experience something kadosh and have a ruchnizdik experience. But that's aleph. That's just the, the next step is to realize that all of this, if I'm feeling it, it means it's not that lofty. If it would be deeper to the truth, it would be beyond my ability to experience. Not and therefore I give up. I want to connect to that which I cannot connect to. Who's I want to be a member in a club that doesn't want to have me as a member. Like I want to connect to that. And then, to, at least with Amuna, to know that when a Yid learns Torah, you're connecting Mamish to God. The reason why you don't feel God is because it's beyond your capacity as of now. In Ganadin, you'll experience it. Now you can't. Even greater is to do a mitzvah. Because the mitzvah means that the connection is so lofty that you can't even touch it. You can just make the container. But it's happening. But it's happening. One second. What's happening? What is happening? God is coming down. That's why normally you make a bracha. And then you make the keli. And then something happens that we don't know, but something happens. And then there are certain mitzvahs that something is coming down, but it's like the essence of God. It's coming, but not coming down. So that's and that's the halacha, the highest level of Torah, all halacha. He's not saying that you shouldn't. He's saying that you are allowed to. Let's go, what I said, when you wake up in the morning and you see your kid doing something, go you see your say, and you have to you go wash Nagalas. You, you're giving up Sagdin. Ah, you didn't make Birchas perfect because that go wash Nagalas, pure Allah, and you can't even draw that down. And in the Nagalas, there is this type of connection. Is that why women don't make a Bracha when they give birth? Well, you participate in the mitzvah. Uh, it, this is a good this is a good halachic question. It's one of these funny questions. Like, what do you give a bracha before you give tzedakah? First of all, as a rule by Ashkenazim, any mitzvah that has a lot of pain associated, we bechal don't make a bracha. Or we make a bracha, we don't, we don't make a shachiyanu. We don't make a shachiyanu. Who makes the bracha? The father makes the bracha. The baby ain't making no brachas. <laughs> Shouting. Funny question. I like the question. Let me go see if this this is a question that was asked. Why doesn't the woman make a bracha? Or even the father then. Maybe the, maybe the mother, instead of making a bracha, then is having a few issues with God. There's a whole uh, chapter in the Talmud about the presumption that when a woman is giving birth, she's taking an oath that she will never, right. ever be with her husband again. Right. She's done with having kids. Right. It must be. It's automatically nullified because right. it's coming from such a place of pain that you're not you. The you that's going to be with your husband is not the you that's giving birth. But the father doesn't make a bracha either as when the child's born. Because the father should be right. should be uh, feeling the anguish of his wife. <coughs> I mean, I'm giving you psychological answers. I, I'm curious to know this is a great question. I love it. Okay, so My we have to do some research. Huh? My but not while you're giving birth. I, I saw my Zayda say Shekhyonah when he picked up his first, he was very emotional. When he picked up his first great-grandchild, Yidin that went through Tzadahs, he picked up, he cried, he made a Shekhyonah. But that's after the baby was born. Right. While the baby is being born, let's go with that presumption that the woman at that moment, if she'll remember, you, you don't remember. The Gemara says that women forget. Also, it's a Sakana giving birth. Sure, it's a Sakana. So, also, maybe not such a sneeze time to give a bracha as well. I don't think that would be the answer. No, no. The woman, right, the mikvah, right. But it's there, it's right. different. Anyways, I don't know if that's the answer. <coughs> maybe it's greater than a bracha. Maybe you're going back to this concept. Oh, that's what I was thinking. Very good. Maybe Beyond, I'll pick up. up this is, this is the greatest connection to yeah. God, for sure. There's no doubt. That's very good. I'll pick up. Pneumius. Bringing another human being in the world. What's, there's nothing in comparison. So beyond the bracha. 
when there's a meeting between the person, between the mother and God on such a level that the act is the container, the act is the container, but the words prior to the act, the container is good. The greatest thing is a container. That's the concept, the alternative. The greatest thing is a container. Once you are able to grab the content, it means that the content is limited. Think about these concepts. If I'm able to grab God, that's not God. God cannot fit. If you extend your hand to grab God, you chase God away. That's the way you should think of it. That's our, we're trying to connect something that is not shayach. That's a good shidduch line, you'll hear this a lot. Not shayach, remember this, not shayach. Where are you, where are you grabbing God? Yeah, I'm going to connect to God. It's, it's, it's nonsensical. We're going to create a vessel in which there could be a connection with God. That we don't understand. That we will not experience now, but we have a muna that is happening. And at some point, the mitzvah we're doing now, we're going to experience it later. And that's emes, what I'm saying. In other words, the whole Gan Eden and the whole Olam Haba is not about doing mitzvahs. It's about what we're doing now is so awesome that we cannot yet chap. You'll chap later. Like, wow. And you'll experience it later. I remember that Rebbe, this is something that every now and then they sent out. That Rebbe was speaking about the awesomeness of a Jew doing a mitzvah once. Because when he made the mitzvah campaigns and people were criticizing Lubavitch, Mela to go out and to make people religious, that's a good mission. But you're going to stop a person and they'll put on in one time and they'll never do anything again. They didn't see value in it. And the Rebbe, I think it was put in because the Rebbe was crying. That means he took a mashka. The Rebbe in the earlier years used to make a lot of lachaim on Purim with Benedictine, just for the record, the ones that are made in France. And the Rebbe was crying and he was saying that, that everything that we experience has a beginning and an end. Everything that God experiences is limitless because God is limitless. The Rebbe was speaking about how it's unfathomable for us to imagine divine pleasure. Then he spoke about the pleasure that God has when a Jew does a mitzvah. Then he spoke about the fact that God is infinite. So from the God's perspective, the Rebbe was saying that if a Jew does one mitzvah one time, and he'll never do a mitzvah again in his life, means that he caused God to experience a godly pleasure forever. That's the greatness of a mitzvah. Wow. And imagine tapping into that. It will overwhelm us. But the mitzvah itself somehow will be the container that will allow us to have that experience in the future. And now, it shouldn't bother me that I don't have the experience. If I had the experience, it means it's something external. On a practical level, which is hard to say, should you still strive or wish or yearn to connect to Hashem? We have to strive and yearn. And therefore, that's the, that's the Seder. And not only should you strive, but we should experience. And we have our experiences. That's lekoil, number one. And only afterwards will we be inspired to say, I want more. I want more. more. I want to be better connected to God. It's like in any relationship. And the more with God, I understand, I cannot experience when a chassid goes to the Rebbe, that's what's happening. When a chassid goes to the Rebbe, it's not a experience. It's not an. Exp- it was never meant to be an experience. The Rebbe used to say it. When a chassid goes to the Rebbe, it's your neshama meeting the neshama of the tzaddik. And unless you are a very neshama person, and most of us are not, we won't feel anything. We'll have, uh, wow, the Rebbe, it's not an experience. No. It wasn't that way. So, if you have a sign between you and Hashem, you have a sign. 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 What do you mean by that? Sign. What do you mean by that? Every so often you get that sign. That's 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 a, that's an experience of, of a connection that's beautiful, but there's something much more going on every time you do a mitzvah. When you get a sign, there is an external connection, which is beautiful, because we're not tzaddikim. And when we do a mitzvah, there's a much deeper connection going on. Like infinitely great. And when you have any connection with any other human being, it's good to be aware of these ideas. On one hand, we want to be connected. On the other hand, what exactly got connected? And you'll think about it, you'll realize that something relatively external got connected. Then a person says, well, this is good, I want deeper. Good. 
And there will come a point where we get stuck. Who, who are you beyond your seichel? We don't know. We don't know. Who are you? Think about it. If you would look at your neshama in the mirror, what would you look like? I have no idea. I don't know. So, so if I don't know it, how can I experience it? I can't. If I would experience it, I would know epis, how it looks like. No idea. He's almost in a black hole. That's what everyone has. What do you have? Imagine yourself with no words, with no thoughts, with no deeds, with no feelings, and no intelligence. You, you, Zayda, not Zayda's beard. That is connecting to God when you do a mitzvah. Kabbalah.